Hello and welcome to episode one of Bossing It, the weekly podcast for women in business brought to you by entrepreneurs Frankie Cotton, that's me, and Laura Sheldrake. Hi. Hi, Laura. In this week's episode, we're talking about um, our experiences of 2018. We say a big fat goodbye to what was a mixed year for the two of us. Working smarter, um, getting stuff done, and also we talk about clarity of mind and how important that is as an entrepreneur in order to build your business. So Frankie, how did you come to set up your own business? Yeah, sure. So I I became sort of a full-time self-employed person, I suppose, just at the end of 2017. So for me, mm-hmm. it's all been quite recent. Yeah. Um, in terms of how that transition happened, um, I guess there were kind of a couple of things working in parallel, really. I, in In my subconscious, I knew that I always wanted to start... A business become self-employed or, or kind of create something one day so I always had that in the back of my mind and actually I remember when I interviewed for my last job my to-be boss at the time I suppose who was interviewing me said where do you want to be in five years which is quite a typical sort of interview question yeah and I said that I wanted to be running my own business <laughs> Which That's great. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of one of those things where if you spoke to a recruiter, I guess they would say, don't, don't say, say that. that. <laughs> That's a dreadful thing to say. Basically, you don't want to be working for you. <laughs> yeah, um, but actually, I think it was perhaps my naive honesty, but also the fact that maybe I was sort of quite driven and had somewhere in there had the belief that I could do it or yeah. create something. Um perhaps got me the job but anyway so so I that was always kind of going on in the background um even as I was sort of working my way up in my career so that last job I was at that followed beforehand um about six seven years in marketing sales and strategy for technology companies Mm -hmm. and that last post was for a telecoms company so I was brought on there to build a marketing department for an international telecoms company which was interesting so when I started I was the first female employee in London and then the first well the only female manager internationally wow yeah which came with some challenges I mean it was a really interesting experience really valuable experience um yeah it's it's almost that weird thing of do you want to highlight the fact that you're a woman and that you're different but also you don't want to, this may sound terrible, but cause a fuss. And I think that is a, a, a line that I had to kind of figure out. When you say fuss, what do you mean when you don't want to cause a fuss? Exactly. I mean, hearing myself even say that just sounds dreadful. But things like, you know, the, I mean, it's basic things, but, you know, like the state of the office, for example, or kind of, I guess, maybe more HR-related issues or mm-hmm. administrative kind of issues that, that would crop up that, you know, there's part of you that thinks, well, I just want to get stuck in, I'm one of the team, um, you know, I'm not going to start talking about things or gender-related issues when there's only, say, 20 of us and I'm the only woman and it only affects me. But equally, as I grew my own team, I was thinking, no, I have to set an example for the women who work for me and I do actually have to stick up for these things that are maybe socially or politically correct that maybe you've ignored until that point. Mm. So it's kind of... I definitely, I oscillated between wanting to just fit in with the with the guys, yeah, um, and just kind of get my work done, keep my head down. But then also, actually, as we were growing company and start and scaling up, is we needed to grow up, mm. and there were certain things, particularly as I say, HR related, not even challenges, but just things that crop up where you think no. You can't, that's not how a grown-up business should behave. And I kind of felt that I had to be that person, which is a challenge. It's, it's a challenge, but I think that's it does so fall, yeah. I think it often does fall to to female managers in that position. Mm. Um, I don't think it's ever just as straightforward as kind of managing your department or having those responsibilities. I think you also become perhaps a figurehead or a go-to person for 
the minorities in whichever form they are that work for that business. Why, why do you think that is? Because like, I totally agree, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's difficult to say. I think part of it is definitely that women tend to be more empathetic. So mm. if somebody within the, within the organisation comes to you with a problem or a challenge, I think perhaps we're more approachable and, and we would give that person that time and really kind of listen and understand. Yeah. I mean, I know that's a huge generalisation, but I do think that that probably comes into it. And, and with regards to sort of, you know, a lot of the admin and the small tasks, which maybe get lost in an organisation where perhaps there is no person who it falls on, for example, to, I don't know, organise a Christmas party. It sounds something so small, but often it will fall on the women within the office yeah. to do that. But, but I think that's, that's also maybe an extension or a reflection of our responsibilities kind of in family life and, yeah. and those kind of gender roles and how we've typically divided those mm. kinds of things. And, and I do think it does spill over into the workplace um and yeah you know you have to you have to deal with those and that's some of the things that when you're the first female the first woman manager you have to say no that's not acceptable yeah. and it's creating those boundaries for exactly. the first time I was going to say that's creating boundaries isn't it yeah and you know I'm sure lots of women can can relate to this it's it's tricky because like I say you don't want to be seen as causing a fuss you just want to get your head down and get the job done but Mm. equally it's sort of like well what what boundaries are unacceptable and what will you what will you not stand for because if you have objectives and things that you need to achieve and you can't do that because that's being threatened by other things that are piling up on your desk and other tasks that need to be done then that's not fair Mm. and it's being able to speak confidently from that perspective and saying no that is that is sacrificing or threatening my objectives and I can't do both. Yeah. It's finding that place to, to talk about those issues from so productive progress can be made in the workplace. Yeah, totally. So I was there for a number of years and, you know, I had a really great experience. I got to travel the world and I really kind of, I made a lot of personal career progress there and I had this goal and my goal was to become a director. So all the other heads of department at that company were a director except me. And I can't speak for the reason why that was. I mean, I had a couple of theories. You know, one, perhaps, you know, as I said, I was a woman, that I was the youngest um, department head, and also that perhaps my department, which was a marketing department, wasn't seen as of equal value to the other departments. Whether it was any of those three or something else, I don't know. Mm. But anyway, my goal was to become a director the same as the others. And I got that, and it took me a long time of sort of working hard, managing a a decent budget, asking for it, or pretty much demanding it towards the end, that I finally became a global marketing director there. But then what happened is, is once I'd achieved that goal and I'd sort of really sacrificed a lot to get there, I actually realised how empty that was. Mm. Um, I was sort of happy for, for like 24 hours, like, you know, yes, I finally got what I wanted, but I don't know what kind of pot of gold or what I was expecting at the end of that kind of rainbow, but there was nothing, you know, nothing actually changed, nothing in my life changed. I didn't feel any different because of, you know, this new title or newfound responsibilities or anything else. And I think it was at that moment, really, that I thought, wow, a whole decade-long career has been working up to getting to, you know, the leadership team, getting to that level of an organisation. And then I got there and I was like, right. What now? (laughs) What now? And I was like, right, well, I know what now. Now I have to go and do it myself. Now I have to go and start my own company. So so I did. So I sort of put things in motion. I spoke to my boss and I told him that um, my husband and I had also set up a company called 100% MMA. Um, which we'd set up in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were co-founders of that company, but he was running it and I was just sort of helping out, you know, evenings, weekends where I could, etc. But what happened is once I'd kind of hit this empty goal, I got married as well that same year, which I think put everything in a real sort of sharp focus for me. I spoke to my boss and I pretty much said, look, I would like to figure out some sort of arrangement where perhaps I can spend more time working on 100% MMA and maybe slowly phase out of the company that I was working for. Yeah. But that was, realistically, it was never going to happen. It was, you know, we were at a, a growth stage. Um, it was a growing team. 
more responsibility, higher targets than ever. There was no way that the head of department could just go down to like two, three days a week. So realistically, it was never going to happen. And I understand that. So after a couple of months, I just sort of said one day, all of a sudden, I've got to go. Yeah. So I did. Amazing. And how was he about that? How was your manager? Um, well, it wasn't a shock to him, but I guess also the timeliness of it perhaps was. But I mean, how can you? There is no right time. No, of course if, not. I wasn't. I wasn't unhappy at that mm. business. I'd actually had a really rewarding um, experience, and I'd been given a lot of freedom, creative freedom, actually, in what I'd done, yeah. and I'd managed to achieve a lot. And I had a great relationship with my boss, but there's no right time. You know, handing in a letter of resignation is never a fun thing to do. And, you know, having given them and received them, I know they're not, I think they're worse <laughs> to receive than they are to give. Um, but hey, you just got to rip the plaster off and do it. So I did. So how did you feel the next day? Because obviously, you know, this, this point you've kind of been leading up to for a couple of months. You wake up the next day, you've handed in your notice. Good point. Well, actually, do you know what? I had no plan in terms of how I was going to bring in an income beyond um you know working on 100% MMA but that wasn't profitable to support both Max Max is my husband Max and I at the time so I knew I was going to have to maybe do some consulting or something like that so I set up a marketing consultancy and actually that business that I was at they became my first client and I kind of worked to get a couple of clients before I'd actually had my last day so from a financial perspective there was actually sort of no no real struggle or worry. It was quite seamless. So I was very lucky. That is lucky, isn't it? Because it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah, and so then I spent, um, you know, six months building up a consulting brand. I, I managed to get some opportunities come through from my network. And, you know, from a financial perspective, it was really, it was really lucrative. But what I realised not long afterwards is actually the consulting was basically the same as the job that I was doing, but slightly different terms. So yes, the money was better. Yes, it was a bit more flexible, but there were other challenges around kind of managing contracts, finding new business, etc. So, I mean, it pretty much sort of evened out in my mind, but it was the same, I was doing the same thing. And, and I just realized, actually, I have this opportunity. I'm 28 years old. I want to do something more disruptive and I want to create a scalable product and do something that's you know, maybe going to have a greater impact on the world. I can do consultancy in 20 years or something. <laughs> so then, um, so, and that was quite timely actually, because that, that's when you and I met Lara and we've, we kind of came up with a couple of ideas, yeah. um, which we're now working on found and flourish and the sustainable marketplace, which I'm sure we'll, we'll go into a bit later, but yeah, that's, that's sort of it really. That's kind of how I made the transition from, you know, being a kind of career-driven nightmare I would almost say um <laughs> going out there you know literally sacrificing friendships so much of my life just to try and work work to get to the top got to effectively like a metaphorical top mm. and then thought actually do you know what this is all wrong I've just got to start again it's funny isn't it how it works out I mean it's been what just over a year did you say now since you've been yeah, so self-employed it, yeah it's been just over a year mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna lie it's been the hardest year of my life I just mentioned they're kind of the kind of person that I was and that's what I was going to ask you know being self-employed now for just over a year do you find that you've had a sort of healthier work-life balance do you feel that you've been able to kind of (laughs) compromise less on those areas of your life that you wanted to invest more in like your friendships for example um it's been mixed I would say it's been a it's been it's been a really hard year of figuring those things out so I think I've definitely swung between creating a work-life balance whatever that is um and then coming back to actually I'm being a terrible entrepreneur I should be up at 5am you know working 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 all through the night it's tough and I wouldn't say that I I definitely don't have the answer I don't know what's right it's a tricky one isn't it because we've been talking about that quite a lot recently especially when looking at you know how we want to move forward this year because working for yourself you do assume because you're you're reliant on yourself and your own productivity levels and you know the amount of time that you put in something is it's essentially what you get out where do you draw the line Mm, exactly but then it's also when do you not when do you stop becoming productive and actually you're just working for work's sake but it's not it's not going to help achieve anything further Mm. yeah I would say you know what the first year of entrepreneurship has been really 
fucking difficult. It's mm. been... <laughs> I'm sure most people in this situation would kind of share my feelings on this. And I'm, and I'm not negative about it. Like, I'm really glad that it's happened. Um, I wouldn't want to repeat repeat it personally. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, but it's, it's like, you know, it's that identity... My whole identity was I am a career-driven sort of... Yeah, you know, all of these things that I mentioned about being the youngest youngest manager the youngest the, the only woman manager like those for me were like accolades they were like badges of honor which I could kind of hold up and be like this is the kind of person that I am and I had to that all of that dissolved that first Monday morning when I woke up and I didn't go to my my old workplace and I was just thinking like what the actual fuck am I doing like I and I know it's nothing's in isolation I know I'm not starting my career I wasn't starting my career over again from scratch yeah but that's how it felt in that mm. moment and I felt like my identity had completely shattered I didn't know who I was what I stood for where my values were totally I, 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 I didn't know like if, what my skills were anymore I was like hang mm. on a minute I was a manager so yes, of course, like you do bits of what, like of course you work and you do things. But if you're not on the front line, you're not necessarily using your skill sets. Your most of what you're doing is managing other people, um, managing budgets, managing suppliers, all of those things, dealing with clients, etc. And actually, that's not what you can do on day one of starting your business. You you just sat there with a blank sheet of paper yeah. going, <laughs> what the fuck? Like what, what do now? I do now? And that's really hard it's really really tough but it's also when you come out the other side of it it's amazing and I do think that ultimately one can align one's life with one's values but you have to go through all of those difficulties you have to shed that old identity exactly you have to let go of all your preconceived ideas of how business should be yeah and you have to start not from scratch but you have to start (sighs) I guess it's once you've stripped away all the layers, you know, yeah. you, you've looked at, I think we were talking about it the other day, you know, it's like you've got a mirror in front of you and you're yeah. staring at yourself in the face. Yeah. And yeah. You're like, who am I? What yeah. do I want to do? How am I going to do this? How do I work when I'm not in a structured nine to five, you know, office environment? Exactly. And how, how do I work when waking up doesn't involve, oh, I've got a hundred emails and then I've got my team <laughs> meeting at nine, which I need to prepare for. And then I've got to go through you know, my Q1 compass plan and then I've got to look at my budget and then I've got to go to XYZ suppliers and and check on all those projects and then, you know, oh, I've got that campaign to deliver. How's that going? And we've got this rebrand, blah, blah, blah. When you don't have that, it's like, wow, everything is on you. And if, if something's not working, it's your responsibility. And so that makes you just reflect back on yourself constantly. And it's really hard not to get down about that because... You start thinking, oh, maybe I'm just rubbish at selling. Maybe I'm just rubbish at networking or whatever it is. And it really shines a light on all of those parts of yourself, which is easy to sort of disregard when you're working in a team, yeah. which means, you know, as a, as a team, everybody's skills and strengths can come together. Mm. And perhaps your weaknesses can be bolstered by another person's strengths. But when you're on your own, you don't have that. So, so it's a very humbling experience but also I think it's it's a fantastic experience. Yeah, I would totally agree with you there, Frankie. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why we met up for that coffee all those months ago in, I think it was June or July, because like you, I had, I had done the self-employment, I had set up a consultancy in social media, and I was working for myself, and I, I knew how isolating it was, and I mm. think I, I literally... And I don't know if I'm I'm telling this story a little bit backwards, but my son Bodhi, who was born last year, 2018 in February, he must have been about four or five months old. I remember thinking at the time, I don't want to go back to working for myself. I knew how isolating it was. And as much as I enjoyed working for myself and working with an incredible array of clients, had a really nice small little network actually, and, and they were great. And I thoroughly enjoyed that process of working for myself on my own time, you know, working with who I wanted to, when I wanted to. But the one thing I was sure of is I kind of got to a point where I felt I wasn't really able to develop my my skill set any further on my own. You know, you can do workshops, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts, mm. but there's that element of camaraderie that I think you miss when you work for yourself. Mm. And 
I actually started getting a bit kind of scared thinking about, you know, what I was going to do when I came off maternity leave because, you know, the first year is an absolute whirlwind, obviously, when you've just had a baby and, and it's amazing. But when you're self-employed as well, you don't really have that security of going back to a full-time paid mm, job. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to do something that, A, I was really passionate about, B, I would thoroughly enjoy. And... I think when we met, it was just so timely because we both, I think, were feeling a little bit done with kind of... Working alone. Working alone, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's where the idea of Found and Flourish came about, really. You know, a female founders network and a community where we could not only empower one another, mm. but we could create this environment, this kind of community of women who run their own businesses or they're mm -hmm. self-employed or they're freelance or even they're side hustling mm -hmm. and they just want to be part of a team and I think that's yeah. that is what I'm like so excited about for Found and Flourish the idea of building this community and we've already met so many wonderful women over the last like six months yeah. and I think there's something to be said for community and that's something that we really missed you know sharing each other's experiences it's quite apparent that is one thing that would have made our first year at least so much more enjoyable yeah. if we had been part of a community. Exactly. I think I think that's totally what it is. You've, you've really hit the nail on the head is having people who understand what it's like just helps. Mm. It's just, you know, you, you don't have to be working in the same business to be able to sit next to somebody and work alongside them for a couple of hours and just have that normal chit-chat of like, oh, do you fancy a, a cup of tea or a coffee? <laughs> or, you know, oh, what do you think about this? Or exactly. could, I, could I get, would you mind if I get your views your on this, opinion, for example? Yeah. And those basic levels of human interaction, but in a business environment mm. that challenge you and, you know, where you can problem solve and think and collaborate it's so important to have a community allows you to feel that way because yeah. I, I worry that a lot of people give up mm. that they find it so isolating or so difficult that they give up but actually if you can get through the first year yeah I think you'll you'll be flying after yeah. that but it's, it's true it's really hard I think it takes yeah confidence and resilience and sometimes you know I know I was close to giving up plenty of times I'm sure you had those days where you're just like, is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. But then, of course, you know, I think the freedom of doing, of working on what you want to work on, with who you want, when you want, you know, that flexibility mm. just outweighs anything else, for me anyway. But I guess it depends on what your drivers are for, for working for yourself. Yeah, and I think, do you know what? You also, as hard as you feel the lows, you also feel the highs. Mm. And things like winning a contract or... You know, I think, in fact, I think that is one of the most powerful things. When you've started your own business and you win a contract... That's so true. The high is so just true. like nothing else. It's like, <laughs> I've created this from nothing. Yeah. And it's, nothing can beat that feeling. So I do think it's, you know, it is tough, but it, it also has the highs. You just really yeah. feel the extreme emotions. Yeah, but so it, true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just thinking when you were saying about that first win... I've definitely told this story slightly backwards, but, you know, coming out of an industry where I was working for almost a decade, like yourself, but in advertising technology and marketing, when I eventually decided two years ago to set up my own social media consultancy. And, you know, I went from working my way up the career ladder within this career that I was thriving and absolutely loving but I got to a point where I just didn't find any happiness in it anymore. And I think for a long time, it was almost like flogging a dead horse, um, <laughs> if I'm honest. Because the pay packet was great and there's only so far money can take you. And I think, you know, it's easy to say, oh, but, you know, I'm comfortable. It's okay. I'm, I'm doing the job. But there comes a point when I think money isn't enough. And for about six months, I really was very unhappy and I was ready to leave. Anyway, long story short, uh, after getting married, again, very similar to you, uh, just before I turned 30, I kind of had this, not realisation, but I just thought, Do you know what, I need to, I need to just look at my life um, and figure out what it is I really want to do because I was so in incredibly unhappy at one point that I woke up in the morning and I just thought I do not want to go to work and that's awful because if you're not if you're not enjoying what you're doing you're not going to be doing 
the best job you can. But also, what I find really interesting about that is, you know, you're so ambitious and you do so much. Like, the fact that you felt like that before you went to work, for me, is really striking because it's not like you're... It's not like you're work shy, do you know what I mean? You, you really do work and you're really ambitious and really talented. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm more, I'm more than prepared to work all the hours, you know, God sends to get something done and to do the job properly. But I definitely got to a point where I just, I almost didn't care about it and that's so awful. So I decided enough is enough, went in, basically quit my job, um, said, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to do this anymore. And my boss at the time was really understanding Um you know, it, it was such an exhilarating feeling. But again, you know, you have this massive high and the adrenaline rush and then you wake up the next day and you're like, fuck, mm. what am I going to do? Because I didn't really have a plan. But, you know, I looked at, I looked at everything I enjoyed doing, everything that I was good at, everything that I was passionate about. And then I kind of just made a list and decided, how am I going to make some money? So I set up a social media consultancy. I put the word out there. I did my logo which probably took me all of half an hour and it probably shows <laughs> um I set up the business on company's house I created the website and within a week I you know I put this strategy together I put this social media sort of plan together and I definitely did a bit of kind of manifesting within the universe and I just I sat back and I thought okay shit what if what if nothing comes of this what am I gonna do Mm. Um, and perhaps maybe it was the next day I got uh, an email through from a woman who had been introduced to me by a client of mine in the advertising industry and she was his sister and she would basically had her own business and she needed some help and she was my first and longest running client mm. and it was amazing that feeling of invoicing her for a month's work getting paid and thinking I've created this essentially out of thin air. I've I've come up with this idea. I've put something down on paper. I've, you know, I've 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 worked hard and I've put my energy, my time, my love into this project. Um, I've worked with this client. I've done a good job and I've been paid. And that feeling is yeah, like is. nothing else. Yeah, it's amazing to feel like you're so in control of a situation as well. Mm. And you've create you've worked hard for that, but you've created that money you've created that opportunity and had I just got up that morning when I didn't want to go to work and I carried on going into work being miserable complaining about it not doing anything about it I could still be in that job right now absolutely Mm. miserable and instead you know I took that leap of faith like you did um and it paid off and it's you know yes the lows are really really shitty lows but the highs it's it's just nothing like there's nothing like it is there yeah, it's a it's a really incredible feeling. But what I'm also interested in kind of hearing from mm. you about Lara is, you know, not only did you become self-employed in the last couple of years, you also created a little person. <laughs> yeah, I've managed to kind of sidestep a lot of that, haven't I, throughout this conversation yeah, in, so far? In parallel, you've also, your family has grown. Yeah, it has by one, and it's been mental. <laughs> An emotional clusterfuck I think is how I described it before um yeah I don't even I don't even know where to begin I mean my year last year for example was on the one hand it was an incredible year for you know creating two businesses meeting my co-founder business partner you Frankie um was definitely a highlight but of course on the other hand you know I, I yes I had a baby Bodhi in February the night of my life just absolutely adored that little human man child. He's so cute. He is. I'm biased, but he is. No, he's my little ev- baby. <laughs> he is just. He's amazing. Yeah. I want one like you've got. Oh, well, I want to you see. Borrow him. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just. You know what? We. I think we're blessed. I don't think there's anything that we've done apart from perhaps be very relaxed throughout the pregnancy and you know early sort of parenthood. I think as long as you just take it day by day, and I guess the same could be applied to business. You just, you know, the rest works itself out. If you're worrying too much about what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, reading all the rule books, and you're not doing it from the heart, and I think a lot of it comes from mm. real kind of instinct, whether that's parental or motherly mm. instinct, I, I, I'd say that goes a long way. But yeah, I, the, the struggle, I think, for me was just trying to figure out how I was going to get it all done. 
And I actually listened to um, a podcast yesterday, in fact, um, by Alison Parry. She interviewed the founder of Mumsnet, Justine Roberts, and it was quite inspiring because she said she actually set up with, with two children, sort of from her bedroom. Wow. She was managing two children. She was being interviewed by Five Live um, on, the, on, on the phone with the door shut and her children on the other side kind of like banging to you know try and get in and I just thought oh my gosh that is so inspiring you know and if she can do it then anyone can do it well not anyone can do it but you know I listened to it and I thought wow that's that's amazing and you know women can do it we can we can run businesses and be mums but I think there's something to be said for not trying to do it all at once and yeah. another thing that I think has really kind of hit home to me is perfection doesn't exist when you're a parent you can't be perfect at anything because you're always going to make mistakes and you're always learning and I think the same can be said for business um when you are trying to be a present mother but you're also worrying about that email you need to send or you know person you need to speak to or task you need to complete it's just never going to work so so for me I think it was a real learning curve obviously becoming a mum is a real learning curve but when considering running a business it it took some real lows and some real kind of moments of dark self-reflection to sort of look at what was what needed to change what was going wrong why it was going wrong and what needed to change so this was why you're being a mum and trying to run a business at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I'm not quite sure if I'm I'm kind of explaining things as eloquently as, as I could. Um, baby brain is a real thing, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but excuses aside, yes, I think running a business in parallel to being a mum comes with all sorts of challenges. But I know when we sat down to do our end of year business strategy last year, in December and we were looking at you know the time we needed to put into the business and how we were going to make it work it dawned on me that I was trying to do both at the same time I was trying to be a doting mum and a mum that was present in the moment but also I was trying to be a productive proactive business owner and I was getting frustrated that I couldn't do both really well and I think it was kind of like this moment of enlightenment where I just thought, <laughs> oh, right, I can't do both. I can't, yeah. I can't be everything to everyone all the time and I can't be perfect. And I think it was like this sense of relief. And then it was just, okay, so now I know what the problem is. What's the solution? The solution is childcare. The solution is finding a way of having, being in the moment when I'm with Bodhi but then being completely present in my work when I'm working and I just, mm. there can't be an overlap. Yeah. So I think that was a real turning point for me and it sounds so obvious, but when you're in it and you're like, well, I'm a working from home mother, this is how you make it work. Mm. And actually there comes a point when you just can't, you can't do both justice if you're trying to do them at the same time. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's watching you do that and kind of being around being around you and Bodhi kind of as he's been growing up, I think also it can, it could certainly sneak up on you. You know, when he was first born, he would sleep more often, nap more mm. often. Um, I know you're exhausted, but you'd probably have a bit more time so yeah. um, to try to do things. But as, as he grew up and was sort of running around, crawling, eating everything, oh, you know, trying completely... Trying to throw himself off. Yeah, trying to kind of commit suicide 24 so like kamikaze baby. Um, <laughs> That's, I guess that's when it's like, actually, there's no way you can't have your eyes on him all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. At the beginning, it kind of, it seemed a bit more manageable. But um, So do you, so here's a question. Do you think that you've developed as a business leader, business owner, since becoming a mum? Do you think that it's impacted kind of how you go about your sort of day-to-day stuff? That's a really good question. And 100%. Yes, is the answer. I think being a mum, you you have a lot less time to yourself. So your business won't survive unless you're really kind of strict with the time that you set aside to do certain tasks. Mm-hmm. So for me, productivity is a massive thing and, and something that 
I not necessarily have struggled with. I've, I've always been a productive person, but I think there's something to be said for being organized with that productivity. Um, so simple things like, you know, removing all distractions, which of course includes your child when you've got a child. <laughs> you know, you can't just get on with something when your child's in front of you tipping over a cup of tea or, you know, whatever. Um, so there's definitely something to be said for that. I mean, going back to that point, I, I definitely think there's an element of um, a newfound respect for time because you just don't have a lot of it when you've got, you know, a child to keep alive. Mm. So setting, setting aside time to do certain things has never been more important for me. And I think when you're self-employed and you've got essentially all the time in the world because, you know, you're mm. not, you only have to answer to yourself. When you have a child, you strip your your time in literally like less than 40%. Mm. So for me, it's been an incredible experience to learn how to get more shit done in less time. Mm. Um, Whether that's setting aside two hours in the morning when your baby naps, just to get everything done that you need to get done in a day. Whereas I could have spent six hours trying to do the same amount of time knowing that I had that yeah. time to waste yeah I, I think there's a really interesting concept around how tasks can fill the time that you give them so true. and actually like if you have structured time yeah. dedicated to things you yeah. just kind of find a way to get it done yeah and actually I think you know I think there's a lesson for all of us in that that by creating structure which goes against a lot of the sort of entrepreneur lifestyle kind of marketing that you probably see which is around you know sitting with your laptop everywhere and anywhere all day Mm. weekends all night Mm. it just in if you want to maintain good mental health physical health that's not good for you Mm. um we both know we've both been there so actually creating boundaries around time is essential yeah um 100 and and actually i think we could all be surprised at how much more productive um, and how much more we can get done when we do restrict our time. Yeah, I agree. I guess that's all about us kind of, you know, saying that this year is going to be all about getting getting it done, basically, isn't it? Perfect transition. I was just about to ask you. <laughs> resolutions that? and goals, resolutions 2019. And goals. Do you have any? Ah, you put me on the spot. should have made some notes. Um, obviously, I've put my goals down for the year. I'm going to try and keep them succinct to three professional ones. Um so goals for 2019 um getting it done not overthinking things sorting out childcare for Bodhi so that at least three days a week um I have the time to focus on our businesses and third one is to exercise more because I just think that's the best way to start your day oh my god I'm so with you on that so for me 2019 my first one is to exercise every morning I think there is something so powerful about really pushing yourself physically that gets you in the right state of mind. You almost think like you conquer the world once you've done something <laughs> tough. So that's number one. And then really I only have, I only have two. And my second one is to stop living intellectually when it comes to my business and actually do it, which sounds like a really weird I thing love to that. say. Love it. No, well, I think part of the reason why last year was so painful and I kind of found it so tormenting is because I was living so much in my head. Mm. Like, what does my brand need to look like? What do people think of my brand? Mm. What do people think? You know, I kept starting businesses and stopping them. Am I a failure? Do people think that I'm a failure? How is this being perceived? What do my clients think of this? Et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, I was reading a lot. And, and there's, I'm not saying that I'm not going to read. I love reading. You get so much from it. But I think I was living so much in my mind that actually towards the end of the year I just wasn't achieving the kinds of things that I wanted to achieve, I wasn't making enough progress. So for me, I'm getting out of my head nice. and in, back into the physical world. Sounds good. <laughs> so third um, one? No third, only two for me. Oh only two, okay, nice. Yeah. Um yeah, just two. Uh so we had a good break over Christmas and New Year. I'd love to hear about what you've been reading. Yes. Um, and kind of resources that you have discovered. Okay, great. So I'll go first, shall I? Yeah. 
So um, I know you are totally hooked on this podcast, Real Business, Real Lives by Barbara Patterson. I loved it. I know. The lovely Catherine Robson of the Big Pip Marketing Agency introduced us to this podcast last year. And yeah, I think it's safe to say we are hooked. <laughs> um, so episode 17 with Kay Taylor, <clears throat> excuse me, called A Reliable and Powerful Orientation for Your Business. Actually, I should probably explain um, a little bit about this podcast. So it focuses on personal transformation that um, essentially entrepreneurs that are being interviewed have experienced around mindset and overcoming themselves or ourselves as well in order to succeed. Mm. So this one specifically resonated with me. Um, and this is where Kay talks about the importance of knowing that nothing is fixed. So change is inevitable. Um, and to always basically be in the moment, which is something that I should have put as my... 2019 goal it's to be present it's to um Mm. not worry so much about what is actually going to happen from your actions i know that sounds really irresponsible but to to work to think to create in the present moment because i think Mm. it's when you worry too much about the future that you're you're really blocking those kind of fluid moments of thought or creativity that Mm. can actually lead on to an even better idea or an even you know more creative opportunity that you would otherwise not come up with if you were overthinking things too much if things were too structured or rigid Mm. does that make sense totally I think that's so powerful I (laughs) when you run a business whether even if it's just you or if you have employees I think that it's easy to exist in this fear of like it all lands on me to get money in the door basically to Mm. pay my salary and or others other people's salaries you know Mm. your employees and that fear can be really restrictive and what Kay and what you're saying is so interesting is like actually you have to kind of compartmentalize that take that out of the picture and just focus on exactly what you're doing um and in a way, that's kind of the only way I can imagine becoming successful as an entrepreneur. Because how how the fuck else can you do it if, you know, you have to. You can't live in this fear all the time. So it just means you can't do anything. Yeah, so true. I think, you know, you also said, um, we talked about it last week, that you want to enjoy the process more. And I think mm. that definitely comes comes into this kind of conversation of being present in the moment, enjoying the actual process of what you're doing, that, you know, that moment of creating something or strategizing, because if you're not enjoying it, then what is the fucking point? Exactly. And enjoying things, it doesn't have to necessarily be, oh, you know, like, what things do I enjoy doing that make me happy? It's like, actually just dedicating your focus to something can mean that you enjoy it, even if it's like, cleaning or doing your accounts or something that you might think that you hate actually when you're experiencing the flow of doing something that's where that reward that enjoyment comes from yeah so true awesome okay so yeah so second one is the little black book by otega Uwagba. so she's the founder of women who um a community for working women and this specific book is the perfect little toolkit for the working woman And I thought I'd actually read um, a little snippet here on page seven, which um, leads on quite nicely from my point on learning that, you know what, perfection doesn't really exist. Um, So this part here is called done is better than perfect. Perfectionism is very often the enemy of progress. Resist the urge to endlessly tweak projects or creative work at the expense of ever actually finishing them. Following through, even if you're not 100% happy with the final product, is more valuable than endlessly chasing an unattainable ideal of perfection. Recognise where to draw the line and put your work out into the world. After all, if no one ever sees your work, then does it really exist? Ooh, that's good. So true. So many people can relate to that. If nobody sees your work, does it even exist? Yeah. That's like, what's that thing when people talk about... If a tree falls over in the woods and you're not there to hear it, do oh, you yeah, make a it, noise? Yeah, exactly. It's so funny, it's isn't so it? so profound. Oh, very profound. <laughs> Love it. So, um... <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> Why you, you call me you? Guru Frankie? <laughs> you're so funny. Oh. <clears throat> oh, 
Okay. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so yes, that was The Little Black Book. Um, so, The Startup Pregnant Guide, How to Stop Doing It All by Sarah Peck is amazing. She basically talks about how to work smarter. Um, she basically talks about how to work smarter and focus on the things that really matter. So it's about being realistic about how much time specific tasks will actually take to complete and how to be more productive with the time you have. I thought this was fantastic because as a mother, she basically came to the realisation one day that she was over committing to the tasks without actually putting enough time or allocating enough time to them. Mm. So this guide is fantastic, whether you're a mother or not, for anyone setting up a business, because she basically talks you through the idea of being realistic about the time you have and the time you need to complete certain tasks. Mm. So this is great, and this is something that I'm 100% going to apply throughout the year. Yeah, she's amazing, isn't she? I mean, I don't know how many children she's got, but the fact that she's sort of running this startup solo, yeah. Um, whilst being pregnant and giving birth to a whole litter of children <laughs> that she seems to have. But, I mean, I think it's just bit about trying to find a way to be logical about, yeah. well, this takes this much time, therefore I need this much time to do it. Exactly. So much of what we do is wrapped up in emotion, mm. and it's like stripping that away and just being logical. Yeah, so true. Again, just simplifying it and being realistic, essentially. Mm. Um so yeah, that's the Startup Pregnant Guide. Um, and then a book I've been reading, thanks to you, is called <laughs> The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. I think you introduced this to me after I said to you one day that, oh, I'd read a blog on minimalism, yeah. didn't I? And yeah, yeah. I decided that that was it. I'm going <laughs> to be a minimalist. I'm going to declutter my house and therefore my mind and my spirituality and everything's just going to be amazing. And how's it going? Um, yeah, it's a work in progress. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a really funny one because I think there's a lot to be said for holding on to stuff and, you know, every single thing you have, you give energy to everything you have is just something else to clean up, to look after, to put back in its place. So Mm. for me, I think, you know, decluttering my kind of home my working space everything is just going to free up more time and energy to focus on things that matter mm. so this this is a great book recommendation so thank you very much frankie for that one. Oh, you're welcome and for anyone who likes the sound of that she marie kondo now has a netflix series out so definitely go check that out it makes me cry every time. I know. It's I don't amazing, know what it is it? about it. She sits <gasps> down. Families. She sits down and she she blesses their home and thanks people's homes. So beautiful, isn't it? And every every time I cry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone there. You are definitely not alone there. Cool. So that's me and my recommendations. But what have you got, Frankie? Sure. So. Um, I read, or actually, should I say read, or I've been doing. Uh, goodbye 2018, hello 2019 from Project Love. Um, so I discovered Selena Barker listening to Emma Gannon's Control or Delete podcast, mm-hmm. and um, she is a life coach, business coach. So, anyway, Project Love, which is her business, they've created this um, sort of reflective journal, if you like, where you look back on last year and you kind of consider what what you want to achieve in the next year. brilliant. Yeah, do you know what? It was actually a really cathartic exercise to do at the end of, as I mentioned earlier, the, one of the most difficult years of my life. Um, and it kind of really made me think, okay, well, what are the things that I've done that I can be proud of? And what are the things, the positives that I can take into the new year and what are the things that I want to kind of stop doing or habits that I want to change? Mm. So for me, I just found it really, really useful. And what I think is really interesting is if you kind of do this exercise every year, you know, if you have like two, three, four, five, ten of these kind of diaries in your bookshelf, mm. if you imagine sort of in a decade going back Looking and reading over, them that must be so and thinking like, fuck, that's where my head was at Mm. in 2018, or, like, that's where my head was at then. And actually, I hope that that it will almost start to document, um, you know, what it's, what, yeah, what the next decade looks like. So I've done that. I'd highly recommend it um, to anyone who maybe still wants to say goodbye to last year and um, kind of look at the year ahead. And then secondly, um, my new work Bible, Work Smarter, Live Better by Cyril... Pepion, I think, um, I think that's a French name. So 
which is a really great book about structuring our work to be efficient and effective. And it is my absolute new work Bible. So it's just a reminder of like the basics, you know, like email management, file management. I know it sounds so dull, but actually so much of our time can be wasted on these basic things. Yeah, so And true. actually, if we can reduce the time it takes to manage our emails, manage our files, find the things that we need, um, you know, plan our weeks, everything else. If we can cut that time from like, I don't know, whatever that takes in a week, say six hours down to one, just an example, but... That's really powerful because then you just gain all this extra time to focus on what really, really matters. Um, so I've just found this just incredible. I've been carrying it around in my bag everywhere I go for like the last month. Um, and I'm just going to read you a quick snippet so you Great. can kind of understand um, sort of the context about what it's trying to achieve. So quite often we believe that to increase our performance, our revenue or our profits, we need to do more. We believe that we must work longer hours make more phone calls and attend more meetings. And in our busy working life, doing more is either almost impossible or carries a high price. We spend less time with our loved ones, we neglect our health, we put some of our passions and hobbies on the back burner and we end up frustrated, feeling out of control and stressed. Disorganised working environments, unread emails, missed deadlines and feeling overwhelmed and stressed are real pressures for many people in their working days. Most of us spend important parts of our day on low-value activities, failing to deliver high performance. This greatly impacts on our ability to perform, on the performance of our people, and on the performance of our company. I just think that's... That's so true, uh, isn't it? (laughs) That's just from the intro, so you think you can work. And you know what? I think this was written for, you know, aimed at sort of anyone in the workplace, Mm. really. But I think as, as a business leader, I think everything you do is so magnified that this becomes kind of even more powerful. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I've just absolutely devoured it, loved it, recommend it to anyone. Yeah, I think that's that's actually really effective for um, anyone who's sort of self-employed as well, isn't it? When you think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm doing the work because I'm answering an email or I'm writing a list or, you know, it, is that actually getting the work done low value activity exactly it's so easy to spend time on those reactive low value activities when actually you know that's not going to build a brand or bring in your first so true that you know two hundred thousand in revenue or whatever it's, it's, that's yeah. that's not the activity that's going to do it yeah nice. um cool yeah so that's it for me really um and i think that's a wrap So thank you to everyone for listening to episode one of Bossing It, brought to you by Found and Flourish. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, Please do get in touch. Let us know what you think. Um, You're also welcome to nominate a guest and you can nominate yourself if you would like. So just do that by um, using the hashtag BossingItPod. Um, And please don't forget to rate and review us. Um, We would love to hear your thoughts. So as Frankie says, get in touch. And um, we hope you enjoyed the first episode. Bye. Bye.